Taliban was dragging his buddy away. And you ask him in his, uh, when he's interviewed about why he, you know, why did he run into us? Oh, well, they have my friend. I mean, that's why. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle coach, and this show is to help you build a life of fulfillment and leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Margaret Thatcher said, you may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. And Nelson Mandela said, do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. This is episode 103, and today we have Colonel Kerry Harbaugh, who's retired from the Army and Special Operations Forces. He's also a senior defense advisor and chairman of the Special Operations Warrior Golf Foundation. He shares how we can become more resilient in our daily lives through experience and wisdom from military service. And I want to know what you took away from this episode. So screenshot this, share it to your Instagram story, tagging me at chris.t.anderson and let me know what main point you took away from Colonel Kerry Harbaugh today. There are many, many, many tales to tell, Chris. I mean, I, I've, I've watched it time and time again uh, with warriors that, uh, that were not willing to uh, let the circumstances of their injuries prevent them from moving on, whose resilience was very, very apparent, uh, their will to fight through whatever those injuries were, and their extreme desire to get back to the team, which is, um, you know, when you go to our, the mentality in the special operations community, which is, you know, hard to get make it on the team in the first place, you know, making it through the assessment selection and training crucible, qualification crucible, getting to the point where you're, you're you know, you've made the NFL, you know, you've made major leagues of at least military activities uh, and certainly in combat activities. And now uh, you're hurt, you know, through a wound, illness or injury. And you are trying to stay on the team, get back to the team, but all the, at, the, at the same time, looking at the future, your quality of life, looking at the impact on your family, you've got all these things weighing on you as you're, as you're going through this. I've had dear friends, um, one of my dearest, uh, Clay Pendergrass, he's like a brother to me. We've, we've, we've known each other over 20 years, served multiple tours to include deployed together, a Navy SEAL. He is now a, he just made full captain. So he's reached my, my grade and rank. Uh, also a Mustang officer like me, he'd done enlisted time before he became a, uh, uh, an officer. Uh, and he had been thrown about 40 feet by an IED in combat uh, that really messed up his, his spine badly. Um, he, he, he trooped on through the mission and, and in fact, through the deployment. But later, uh, as it started to debilitate him and affect him uh, physically and emotionally to some degree, he, he ended up having to go through an awful lot to sort of repair. And I would tell you, he's never, never going to be fully repaired. Mm. He's got, a, he's got a, a block of metal in his spine basically about that long. You know, it's, it's, it's about six inches long, holding together vertebrae. He went through, oh, countless surgeries, you know, I, beyond count. Uh, uh, what, what the number of times, and he had near near death experiences in those surgeries. Where one time he got a infection in the membrane or surrounding his his uh, his spine, and the spinal fluid leaked out. I mean, he, his his doctor was an old Navy doc. Actually, carried him out of his apartment and got him to an ER, and eventually into surgery, and and was able to save his life. But Clay went through, and Clay continues to fight. I mean. Uh, he, he got back. He got back to duty. He got back to, to, to serving. 
He is still on active duty uh, pending uh, retirement himself up here, here this next year. But, you know, having to work through those injuries, it, it, for him, it was never, and as well, I could, again, with, if I related other stories, it was never an option to not get back. Okay, to not get back to some level. His physicality, if you looked at Clay, you'd say, oh, this guy's a tough guy. He is a tough guy. Okay. Uh, he's got some limitations. He's got drop foot. He's got, you know, some things he hobbles and he hurts and he aches and he's in pain a lot, but he just deals with it. But again, that's where that mentality, and as we've talked before, the, the as we try to translate that to the civilian sector, it's an attitude. Now, I would obviously argue that special operators have got that innate attitude. They yeah. not have been recruited, ultimately made it through that assessment selection and qualification to get there if they didn't have that. And I was, was going to ask that. I, I Sorry to interrupt, but I, that is curious to me. So so there is an assessment process. So I was gonna, my question going on in my head was, so do these individuals, these special operations uh, individuals, have something a lot of people don't just innately or is a lot of that resiliency mentality trained as well or kind of a combination definitely a combination okay because a lot of times uh individual doesn't know how resilient they ultimately can be okay uh, you don't know it until you face it I, I would tell i would say athletes probably have the uh especially in sports that have extreme physicality requirements understand that if you're a uh i was a long distance runner you know i trained and uh, trained and ran the olympic trials in 1984 for the marathon wow i didn't make it obviously you're, you'd know my name better or i'd be, <laughs> be, uh, be frank shorter and carry harbaugh and i'd have my own line of clothes but the fact is that you know endurance athletes football players you know baseball players professional athletes have that understanding hockey players mm. where they you you have to what you what it takes to be able to uh survive the sport and move up and progress in the sport, right? They had to have an ink skill in order to make it. Uh, you know, you can't take somebody who's just totally uncoordinated, doesn't have the basic muscle mass, attitude, and physicality to be able to uh, turn into, you know, Rudy was great to see him get a play in the Notre Dame game, but he got a play, right? Yeah. What he had was a huge heart. That was the whole story of Rudy, when you, when you, if you've ever seen the movie or read the book. That, that's, that's his story. But that's not he didn't have it to you know to progress to being a starter and he didn't have it to go into the NFL. Well, right. in our business, you know, the NFL is a, is a special operations community and it has varying levels of of of, uh, of strata in that, too. I mean, the very, very elite units in the special mission community, even harder to get into than, you know, basic special forces or Navy SEAL. So each of those kind of things, just getting through that takes an individual that already has a willingness to, to try and to persevere. And so, yes, there has to be some okay. innate willingness to do that. But I think most human beings have that to some degree. I mean, if you watch how um, the American public dealt with 9-11, the, the basic citizens on the street in the midst of that, of that, rushing into buildings to help along with the police officers and and other first responders and firemen that uh, so many of them lost, so, so, mm -hmm. so horrible. You saw people helping re going in. You see, you hear about the guy who runs into traffic to save a kid or, to, you know, or, or uh, runs into a bur burning house. There are people that have that, that are, that are willing to do that, whether or not they've been in the military or not. So I think it's in, in us. 
it's a matter of finding it. And one yeah. of the things that assessment selection and qualification does in special operations is it helps you find that and foster it and grow it so that you are going to be more resilient when you face true adversity. Gotcha. So what are some things they use or utilize to kind of find that, pull that out, enhance that in, in those soldiers to get them to be able to, to be even more resilient than maybe what they're innately already about? Well, a few things. Uh, physical stress, obviously, is, is principal amongst those. And it's not hard. Our operational activities, both in training as well as in actual operations, are physically challenging. So already you have, you have that, but also mentally challenged. And there's things like uh, facing uh, uh, food in, in minimal quantities and food and water, uh, loss, lack of sleep. We put all those kind of stressors on ourselves when we go through that. Uh, same kind of things that I think you'd see if somebody went through a, uh, is doing triathlons mm. or is, um, you know, sort of like you watch Survivor or some of these shows and these uh, reality shows. Yeah. You think about those stresses. So there are things that I'm saying people should go home and starve themselves and not sleep. I'm saying that taking up activities, though, if you're trying to build resilience of this sort where you face stress, uh, but putting yourself under stress, which comes in a variety of formats, is the way that you ultimately strengthen yourself. It's a muscle. Resilience is a muscle. Okay. And we have to think of it that way. And we work out our muscles if we try to stay physically fit, right? I don't quite, I've never been, I've been an endurance athlete my whole life and a golfer. So I'm not trying to build bulk. I'm about the same size I was. In fact, I'm within seven pounds of what I was when I joined the army 41 years ago, 42 years ago in this case. Wow. Okay. So, but I'm, what do I do? I, I keep myself active, right? And you know, for me, it's that total gym. God love Chuck Mm. Norris. (laughs) Yeah. um, uh, for others, you know, it's heavier weights or, or, or other things, but it's the stress you put on yourself. It's a routine. And I think with, with uh, building resilience and being a resilient person means working those muscles. So working your mind, becoming informed, well-read, uh, reading the, the great philosophers, mm. strengthening your mind, that all helps in making your mind more resilient because you, you develop techniques and you understand it. Debate makes you more resilient. If you are, uh, you know, especially what we're dealing with in today's world, if you are one-sided in your thinking and only wanting to hear things that make you happy, you're not going to strengthen yourself. Because then if you watch how people deal with the current political climate, anything that's not making them happy stresses them out to perplexion and sometimes behavior, misbehavior, Mm. right? Yeah. All you got to do is look at what happened January 6th. Yeah. You can say, okay, we lost, we had some people lose control of those feelings. Yeah. Right? So, how do you then get into it where you build that resilience where you can handle that? You know, um, I would like to think that most members of the military, certainly the, the people that I've known in my career and long career and my friend network, we, we're Gumby when it comes to that. You know, we're agnostic. Mm, yeah. We've got it. So Democrats won this time. Next time, maybe the Republicans win. Whoever, okay? All we want to do is whatever is right for our country. A resilient mind is able to deal with that and debate it on a friendly, in a friendly way. Yeah. It's like when you hear uh, the saying, like, those who anger you can control you kind of thing. If you are, if you're so rigid that when people make you upset, that elicits a response from you in a negative way, then they almost, they control your, you know, they, they got you under control kind of. It is. And yeah. it's a degree of uh, 
brainwashing may be an uh, overstatement, but there's been a degree of that through, uh, through the media in particular as an yeah. exercise because we polarized ourselves and for the sake of, I don't know, economics, whatever's driving that, we're allowing the, the sides of the argument to basically be presented to us. And it's, you know, the other side is hateful and evil and no matter which one you listen to, right? Right. And we don't sit in the middle anymore and are willing to, to debate that in a friendly way. And debate yeah. is an argument. You know, even argument, if you look at it from philosophical terms, argument is not does not have a tone of of anger to it. Mm. Okay, Argument is seeing both sides. Gotcha. And so this okay. is what you should hear and then try to find truth is always found in the middle or almost always found in the middle. There are some pure truths. Yeah, but they're, they're, it's there and it's it's apparent. So why yeah. argue with truth? Yeah. Why seek it and find it? And I think resilient people do. I think okay. resilient people are able to hear both sides and balance that and be able to, even if they don't like it, or even if it isn't where their true heart and proclivities go, it is their willingness to listen to it. Okay. That's a good point. So, so, so being able to see both sides and take it in studying, obviously, like you said, uh, kind of the philosophy and those ancient, like older philosophers, what can people do besides maybe having those conversations and reading in their everyday lives to start building that resilience mindset? Are there like actual physical things they can do? Like, for example, if you know Wim Hof or people like that who do the, the ice submersion and like ice bath submersion for and controlling the breathing is, are those kind of methods that people could, could implement like cold showers in the morning so they control their feelings or response to that? Well, one of the things actually we do in, in special ops that most people would know that we have a lot of guys that take, have taken it up is yoga. Um, mm. Meditative activities, you know, where you're using your mind and, and, and focusing your mind, I think are very, very effective. I've used it um, uh, to some degree and uh, found it. I'm not really good at the stretching part. I don't bend. I'm too, <laughs> old, too old to bend. 62 is not an age to be oh. But the meditative qualities of that. And, and meditation can take various forms. It can also be prayer if you're religious. It can be lots of things. It's where you're able to go inside yourself and think things through. I do that. I isolate myself to, to some degree. So I think isolation, ice baths, uh, H-bot, you know, if you're looking in a hyperbaric or, or some of these things, isolation chambers, you know, uh, saline float tanks. I've seen all kinds of stuff used to help guys, especially if you're trying to quiet their mind, dealing with post-traumatic stress or other things, mm. uh, might have some effectiveness. Uh, but I would think more along the line of just being able to uh, quiet your mind and okay. think is is what I would say is a physical way to address uh, your developing a better mindset, along with then applying those stresses. The mindset, and I view that, again, having been an endurance athlete and doing things through that lens, and also most of the special operations communities' activities are endurance activities, mm -hmm. uh, and its training is oriented around having that endurance. So it's putting yourself in those kind of, kind of things applies. It's impossible to run a really long race without using your mind. Okay? Yeah. If you, yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you can run 100 meters or 200 meters without using your mind. There you just get out there and you throw it all down. You're not yep. using your mind. You're trying to beat the guy next to you, right? Uh, running uh, uh, ten thousand meters or more, you're in a different. You're in a different breed. Okay, yep. and you have to go into your mind because you have to think things through, and you're always thinking about your pace, and you're always thinking about where you are. But you also have to quiet your body and not think about the stresses on it. 
and all of those things. And I think that's where, and you can apply that to cycling, you apply that to a lot of different activities that have that endurance component. And I think that you find those are good ways to not only work your body, but also work your mind. Yeah, those, that's a good point. And I think, yeah, being able to quiet your mind, control those thought processes is, is a big way to just build that resiliency. And then, and then pairing that, like what you're, you're talking about, the endurance uh, athletes. I saw a marathon runner as well, but applying it to those like stresses, those stressors, those things that are going to stretch you mentally, physically. And then during those incorporating just the slowing of the thoughts, like, okay, I'm going to control the situation. I'm, I'm in this situation and how am I going to respond to these stressors? Um, I think are huge. Yeah, if you're you know as a, a runner yourself, if you're going to run five minute miles uh, <laughs> for a sustained period, which is what the pace was in my day that I was running. You're going to run five minute miles. You need to get inside yourself. You have to slow your breathing uh, and your control of it. You know, you, if you uh, if you're gasping for air, you'll you know you'll quickly uh, wash out. Right. And lactic acid will build up and all of a sudden your legs will be leaden and you're not going anywhere. Right. So um, you have to you have to, again, become meditative and you have to get inside it, thinking about things. You're keeping up your pace, but you're doing it. And I would say that uh, I know that I'm, I'm not alone in this. Any great uh, anybody who's a, who's a real di- serious distance runner knows that you could run at your pace and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You could talk to a person. It would not you would even notice that they're 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 running. That's the what you had to get. You had to get to where you had that control. Yeah. Same thing goes. And you have to now applying that back to the special operator in, in, a, in being resilient and dealing with those stresses. The same thing happens in the midst of, of contact, so to speak. Okay. When we're, ta- we're talking about when the enemy's firing at you and you're in mm. combat operation, you have to be calm and cool in order to get through those kind of things. And Many of my brothers uh, have a lot more experience with this because, you know, I, by the time this war hit, I was already a pretty senior officer. So I'm not the kind of guy that was out on battlefields in the midst of gunfights close range the same way. But those guys, uh, but I have been around them and I had had experiences of, of that sort in my career. And, and, and I would tell you that it's a matter of calm. It's the calm under stress mm. uh, that happens. And it's an ability to concentrate and focus on your job and the tasks at hand. So if you look at uh, our Medal of Honor recipients, most of them thrust themselves into a situation to risk, without thought of their life, risk their life by doing so to save another. Mm -hmm. Almost every Medal of Honor recipient, it's tied to assisting and saving the life of one of their brothers or sisters. That's what it is. They rush into the fight, not thinking. Why? Because they're calm enough to think about, to, to be able to put themselves in the situation and execute what their job is. Yeah. And part of the job in any uh, military activity on a battlefield, part of the job, you know, one, you got the objective, accomplish the objective, kill the enemy, whatever it may be, attack and, you know, the, the, destroy their capability, right? But the other piece of it is get your boys and sisters home, you know, get your boys and girls home. Whoever's on the mission with you. Yeah. And so and, and we all come back. That's an attitude we have. And that's a that, uh, familial thing that I've talked about with yeah. the special operators with you before. It's that, that that family kind of kind of sense. All right. So the Taliban was dragging his buddy away and you ask him in his uh, when he's interviewed about why, he, you know, why did he run into it? Well, they have my friend. I mean, that's why, you know, the the Ron Schur, who uh, sadly passed from cancer. 
um, uh, but Medal of Honor recipient from uh, from Third Special Forces Group, who just kept going back to get his buddies. You know, he was the medic on the team, just kept going to get his buddies. If you saw that uh, great movie from World War II about the kid in, in the uh, in Okinawa, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, right okay. about uh, uh, Doss, mm. and you see what he did. I mean, just what one more. I mean, God gets choked up, right? Just yeah. thinking about it. I got misty. I watched mm. this kid. And if you read the citation of his medal and the story of him and his interviews of him and the guys he saved, it was like one guy just kept running in, grabbing more, grabbing more. And he saved, God, 80 guys off that ridge. I mean, just think about that. Why? They were, they were his guys. That's what it is. It's what the job is. Mm. That, that takes incredible, you know, going back to the topic, that takes incredible resilience to be able to say, I'm putting it all aside in order to do this. Okay. Yeah. And I know I'll be back. I know they need me and I will be back. Yeah. That's, and it's so, yeah. And I, we need more, we need more of that. It just, because we see so much just society kind of going in the opposite direction, I feel like. Uh, and maybe it's just because that's what, portrayed a lot you know on social media in the media but it's like so many people are not really resilient and it's like yeah we got we got some hard things coming if if we can't be resilient and have that mentality well as you're dealing with this pandemic i mean just think about it now i'm not suggesting that the people that are losing their lives uh to it are more resilient i mean there, right there are plenty of them very tough people that, that yep. put down by this because it's hard to know what's in your body as a ticking time bomb sometimes yep and how your body would react to the virus. But the fact is that dealing with the pandemic and the isolation created by it, the having to work from home constantly, yeah, you know, dealing with that takes takes a resilient mind and not letting it get the best of you to where it frustrates you. And you know, we all had to we all had to live that. That's that's what it is. It, it's nice, it'll be nice to finally get rid of masks. It's nice to do things virtually where we don't have to talk through one, but you know, we're, we're having to live in a world where that's required yep. and where it will be the norm for a very long time. I mean, I'm hopeful that this, uh, you know, I got my vaccines uh, recently and, and so I've had both my shots and I'm like uh, five days away from being called safe. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm happy that to, to have that feeling. But until the whole herd is safe out there, we all can't get back to normal. Mm. So and we've got a lot of people who are, you know, not or anti-vaccine or whatever mm. it may be. And right. from my perspective, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you just really want to wear a mask the rest of your life everywhere you go? Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, it you have seen it a lot with these, uh, with the, the kind of shutdowns and things like that. People just having so much issues and just struggles with it because that, yeah, just not being able to kind of calm that mind and direct like their their thoughts in a way that's constructive positively and and yeah it's almost like you think almost kind of and, and I could be way off but like the optimist versus the pessimist like kind of I feel like have different levels of resilient mindset sometimes I like that I think that's very true and I think that also ties into what we've been talking about yeah I tell you that that special operations people are uh, at least the grand majority of them that I that I've known through my life are amazingly optimistic. We look for the solution. We believe there always is a solution. We're problem solvers by virtue of training and also by, you know, by practice. So it makes you, you know, uh, it, make, it puts you in a mindset that forces you 
to work toward a goal okay, and achieve a goal. Yeah. And it takes optimism to do that because if you're pessimistic from the start, you'll say the goal's unachievable, right? right? But there's no reason to do this. It's not worth our time. Not, not what we do. And we look at impossible challenges and figure out, in fact, the more impossible the challenge, the more satisfying it is to achieve. Right. So uh, I think that, uh, that, that is an important aspect to it. And, and and optimism, I like to think that's the way I was raised. My mother was optimistic all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the way I wanted to be, you know? Yeah. And I think with that too, like also having goals, like having things you're working towards and not just being like in that program mindset, like, Oh, I'm just going to go work for this person do what they tell me and then come home and do nothing. Like, I think we got so many people got into that, just that routine of like, I work for somebody, I come home and I just veg out and relax and they don't have any sort of external goals. And so when all this kind of, they had time to do nothing, it just started really to, to mess with, with their mind almost. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I, I would agree with that. I'm sort of a shark myself in life. You know, I'm constantly moving. Yeah. Uh, I, I doesn't mean I don't appreciate some veg time from once in a while. It's right. Like just kind of plop down and, and binge a show or something on, on one of those streaming channels. Mm. But that that but I'm not that's not my life. Right. You know, that's that's a small, small time in my life. Uh, from the day on, you know, from the morning on, I'm I'm busy. I like to yeah. be busy. Yeah. Um, of course, I had a with the military career, it was busy, busy all the time. <laughs> Moving into retirement kind of changed that. Uh, but I make it I make it busy with the, my other efforts. But those are I think it's very important to have that have that routine. You know, um, the uh, one of my favorite bosses, Admiral Bill McRaven, he, he famous for his make his bed speech. He would say that we do that, that we put ourselves in that routine uh, because it, it satisfies us. One of those tasks, that first task of the day, you know, make your bed. And I, I follow this. I've been doing this since, well, my mother would have slapped me around if I didn't. Make my <laughs> but it was, you know, get up, make your bed. Why? Because at the end of the day, you're going to see that you've already, you did at least one, accomplish one task. Yep. You're going to come back to a fresh raft. But it's, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's an attitude that pervades you and it takes mm. over your life is that I've got a routine to life that has positives, you know, make my bed, do, do my, do whatever my physical activity is, you know, my TPT, whether it's in the morning or it's during the day, however it is, I've got things that I do and I have accomplished goals and I set goals each day. And I think resilient people do that. They do that routinely. And, um, I, I I would encourage everybody to, to take on a routine like that. Yeah. I think life's, I mean, life's already so short. I can't just imagine not having things to work towards just kind of working and then coming home and sitting and doing nothing. Like I'm kind of like you, like always on the go, have things to do, goal set, schedule type stuff. So yeah, I just can't sit around. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and, and who wants to, right. And frankly, sitting around, you know, getting that centric, I worry about society and I don't, I, I don't want to be negative to people um, uh, cause people could take this, uh, could take this harshly, but uh, remember the movie Wally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do we want to become a society become so lazy that we come, you know, we're we're all hitting the by and large, you know, and we're right. floating around and we're and and we've grown to where we're 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 doing nothing but but consuming. And in, in the yeah. case of Wally, right? They're, they're yeah. all floating around. They're all morbidly obese. Yeah. They're they're you know, and they're not they're not productive, right? Yeah. Why would we want to be that way? Where is the satisfaction in that? Right. Um, yes, there are devices that can convey us. 
Do we want to be on them all the time? Do we want to take, and this is one that's near and dear to my heart because of working with wounded warriors for so Mm. long. Do we want to treat um, routine wear and tear? And this is, uh, I say this because, you know, the VA calls me 100% disabled because that's the terminology. I view it as I was, I, I, I had enough wear and tear in my body that the government decided to compensate me for what I sacrificed in my military service. Okay. So they give me a wear and tear payment. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Disability pays. And it adds a little bit to my income. Basically it offsets the allowances I lost when I got off active duty. Okay. It's, you know, it's not a ton of money, but it's, it's a little bit to say here, this helps offset your, those, those demands that you, that, you know, what you, what you gave up. Mm-hmm. But dis- disabled means something else. We've taken that, and and to to the to the normal citizen, when you hear disabled, you think handicapped. Mm-hmm. I'm not handicapped. So while I'm eligible for a disabled vehicle tag that would allow me to park in handicapped parking spots, I'm not doing that. I'm capable of walking. Why would I yeah. be able to walk? Yeah. Okay? But we have a in our society. We we moved toward this, and this is where we're moving toward Wally. We moved toward this entitlement attitude that allows us to get these benefits and then you know uh, push those forward okay and use those to our to convenience ourselves i say that i live in a state florida where uh 50 disabled by the va yes uh-huh. you makes you eligible for a disabled veteran license plate that allows you to park in these parking slots well you can get 50 percent disability from the va for sleep apnea. Huh. Okay, so right, what we have now is limited uh, ability for our true handicapped people, you know, wheelchair bound people to get parking slots now, if you name the grocery store or wherever they're heading. Because we have people with sleep apnea who are able to park in that because it's more convenient to be able to park up next to the door. Yep. And that's the kind of thing that we're just not thinking through as a right. society and not saying. So that's why I say, D- disability disabled dis- ought to be called something else. I, I tell that to my to the lady in my life who's a, a, a you know works in the in the VA system uh, that that it bothers me that it's even called that because I do not want to be treated as as disabled. I am not disabled, right? But I'm sure sore. <laughs> yeah. okay. The spine doesn't work. I don't yeah. bend. I have you know I have plenty of things that I understand they want to compensate. My knees don't work like they used to, and that's primarily from, well, it's exclusively from all those years in military service that were the things got beat up. My brain doesn't work like it did, you know? <laughs> so I like to say I'm like the uh, the Waco kid from uh, Blazing Saddles, you know, <laughs> steady as a rock, but I shoot this hand. <laughs> so, uh, but any rate, it's, it's that. And I think that yeah. we ha- as a society have to address that and say, okay, is that the right way for us to be? And yep. isn't it, don't we admire resilient, tough people in everything over those that are not mm, yeah we expected in our obviously we're expected in in movies when we yep. see a hero we expect them to be resilient and tough right right expect in our sport athletes you know what do you mean you got turf toe patrick mahomes <laughs> yeah you know and patrick did great i mean he, he fought yeah. through that fought through that the other night yeah uh unsuccessfully but he fought through it which at, at living in tampa bay um, obviously <laughs> i was cheering for the other guys but you're right <laughs> at the same time uh it's one of those things that we admire that he fought through that. Yeah, uh, we don't when they when they when they wallow in it. And why yeah. should we want to wallow it in his in, in our culture? Exactly, and I think yeah, it kind of goes back to where we just are 
we have so much things that are make make life more of a convenience things i mean amazon two-day shipping and if you don't get that you're like oh i gotta wait five days like i i've I've even said it i'm like wait a second like what does it used to be like okay take a step back like yeah don't don't get used to that things like that and and all these now you can order groceries and just pick it up and and it's ready for you and and yes that can make things easier but if we're if we're not then using the time we've gotten back in a constructive and a positive way then it's it's just a hindrance it's just hurting us then going forward yeah i mean there are nice there are benefits to convenience yeah there's no doubt there are benefits to it that ultimately free us up to do other endeavors in life and have more time be it more time to exercise more time to do other things that are more productive to Mm -hmm. work i'm not opposed to those things yeah and those industries that supply those things and they become a crunch yeah life easier yep yep but um it's a matter of do you embrace them as an expectation so much so that you give up right. the benefits of you doing it some things for yourself. Yeah. You know? And yep. Like like me, like I could order the groceries and just go pick it up. And I'm like, one, if I'm going to drive there already to pick it up, like I might as well just spend the time walking around getting it myself because then it gets me out of out of the office, out of the house, out of doing all that and kind of gives me a, a like a – almost a reset. Like I don't have to think about work for a little bit while I'm getting groceries. And so that's how I kind of see it. <laughs> I love shopping for groceries. Yeah. Quite honest. Yeah. So I, I don't mind it at all. You yeah. Know, I, 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 I like it. I like, and I'm want to pick my own damn vegetables. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I, and those kind of things. Yeah. So it, it, I, I, it is, it's one of those, it is a, uh, it's something that we, that, that society, the American society struggled with for a long time since uh, the development of, 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 you know, you can go back to my youth, you know, yeah. since the, the post-World War II uh, era as more and more conveniences became there, you know, whether it's yeah. dinners or, you know, yep. you name it. We all, we took, we took advantage of some of those things and not all of those were to our betterment. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to, at the same time, I don't want to sound like I'm one of the two old guys in the Muppets up in the popper <laughs> box, you know? Right. Or, but I do believe that we ought to consider those things and balance them in our lives. Yeah. Balance is always going to be better and it's going to build uh, the, the ability to deal with uh, stress better. Yeah. Uh, down the road. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a, it's a sad and a scary thing. Cause you see so many people who they'll either post something because someone said something against what they believe or uh, something and they they didn't like how it came off and so they'll go off the handle and be irate and i'm like we can have different differencing differences of opinion but like for you to get that out of just sorts because of like it's just tracking the wrong way everyone thinks i hate to use these words but like entitled to like being right or be being treated fairly and like it's just life's not fair. Like that's unfortunate. Like that's part of it. And we just have to do the best to like, to, in my opinion, love one another, treat each other the best way we can, but you're not going to agree on everything. Yeah. I would say that the trend that I saw, you know, and it's, uh, it obviously it, it may, may not be the, the, the truest example, but as I grew up, we played, you know, I played little league baseball like a lot of kids when I was little. There wasn't, much, you know, when it came to organized sports, it was out. Soccer was not a big thing in the, in the oh, US. Oh, I'm sure back then, yeah. In the 60s, okay? Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't, there was first, second, and third place teams that got trophies. 
you know, if you were in the league and you didn't make first, second, or third, you need a trophy. Yeah. We didn't laud ourselves if we didn't make the first, second, third. Right. And they, you know, the sort of everybody gets a soccer trophy kind of thing. And I watch it with my kids as they grew up. You know, they got the participation trophies. Yeah. But we made a mistake when we decided to. There's one thing of not being persecutorial in your attitude toward people because they're not able to perform tasks as well as others. Okay. This is something else that, you know, and there's bullying and things like that that happen in, on schoolyards and still to this day happen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and, and addressing that and how you treat people was one thing, but making people believe that they're evenly, um, <laughs> an even footing in all levels of life is yeah. a mistake. Yeah, because they're going to at some point they're going to they're going to hit that varsity sports selection and they're not going to make the team or they're going to get in a, in a, in a race or whatever. And they're not going to win. Yeah. And they're going to find out, no, I'm, I am mortal and I'm not as good as I thought I was or my parents told me I was. A lot of this also came with helicopter parenting and other things that followed. You know, it came into, you know, we're going to buzz over little Johnny and, and little Jane and we're going to make sure that everything in their world is perfect. Their bubble around them is going to be. And we're going to prepare them. We're going to get them started while they're in pre-K. We're going to get them started for their Harvard education. Okay. And things like that. We got into so spun up in that uh, society-wise that we, we lost track of letting a kid be a kid, letting, letting failure be a lesson. And these are things, again, as we balance back on the top, you know, from the standpoint of where my experiences were in the military side, the special operations community, that is not what we do. I mean, you have to make the team. Okay, yeah. so there is high attrition uh, into uh, in the assessment selection and qualification process. Yeah. So if you can go into some of the very specialized units, you could go in there and, and a class of 80 will produce two. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a hard cut. So yeah. making that team is an important thing. And I would say uh, we need to teach that to kids that you got to make the team. And, and then one of the things that we've always said in the soft community is, then you have to continue to try to make the team every day. Yep, absolutely. Okay. I we're think not letting, we're not letting that happen. We're not letting. Yeah. With that comes that argument of what you were talking about. And what we did with social media, we had some great things. We connected people with social media. We were able to share entertainment things and fun things, you know, TikTok or whatever it may be. My, <laughs> younger, my, my younger daughter is in that stuff all the time. <laughs> um, I got it. There's some fun things and there's entertaining things to look at, but We've allowed it also to make make uh, make people believe that their opinions on all things are warranted. <laughs> right. And my feeling is, and I think anybody of, of, of any education would say, I will listen to someone's opinion provided it's informed. Mm. OK, it doesn't have expertise. I mean, if it's if it's your if it's your educated opinion, I favor it more and I want to listen to it better than it's just what you you're, are you parroting what you hear from somebody you like on yeah. social media yeah. or in the media itself? Yeah. And so where is this perspective coming from? Is it backed by facts or right. by, you know, whatever spin that you've received? For sure. And I think that goes back to what you mentioned like early on in the episode is just being informed and, and getting both sides, getting information, learning, and not just seeing a post from some in, influ, quote unquote influencer and then be like, oh yeah, like, yeah, look, like, listen to that. But we were mentioned about like the the trophies, participation trophies and everything like that. And it reminds me of the quote in, in one of the Batmans uh, with Christian Bale and Alfred. It's after he, I think, breaks his arm when he falls into the well. Uh-huh. He said, why do we fall, Master Wayne? And he said, so we can learn to pick ourselves back up. Right. And if, if we don't let our children, if we don't let our, our peers 
mess up, lose, like they're never going to learn how to deal with that and overcome and then and see maybe what they need to do to win next time or to get better or maybe pivot into something they're better at. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, And we see it all the time. And in society now, if we don't address this, we're going down. Well, we're going the path of wallet. I swear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things. I use it jokingly, but we're going down that path because we want to be so convenient and we don't want to be told we're wrong. And, you know, <sighs> so where, yeah. where does it go? Yeah. Uh, we are often, all of us are wrong every day, multiple times a day, many, many times a day. For me, almost all the time. Yeah. We're wrong. Okay. Yep. And, and, and we need to be told we're wrong, but we also need to be told we're wrong and why. Yeah. And it has to be backed by facts. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to it. If you say, OK, you're wrong. Here's why that color is actually orange. Here's why it's orange. <laughs> orange next to it. You know, if it's uh, an argument over paint colors. Right. Whatever it may be, I say that as I do a remodel in a house. Um, <laughs> but we have to be able to accept that we are mistaken or wrong and not take that as an affront or an attack on our personality or right. personality. Okay. Yep. And we do that now. It's like, you're told you're wrong, you know, just a bit. And we, we go, we blow up and we yep. can't face it. And we get, we get to, you know, heart racing, uh, uh, respiration, uh, out of, out of control. And here we are, heaven forbid. And now we have a hate feeling toward the person right. who's telling us we're wrong. Yeah. Right. Instead yep. of, wow, I'm wrong. Am I? And you look at it and go, yeah, and I'm wrong. Yeah. Just accept we can't do that right now. And we have to deal with that. And that's why I say, again, resilient people are able to take that being wrong and address it and adjust. Yeah. Be flexible and dynamic. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, just from everything we've talked about today. And I think it's, it's, this topic is so needed and people need to hear it because yeah, like we don't want to become the Wally people and, uh, and everything like that. So we need resiliency. We need to build that mentality that the spec op warriors have been trained to do in some aspect. And so learning, like just getting both sides, getting the truth, information, uh, just studying history, studying philosophy, studying uh, different opinions on things, and then building your your worldview around it, experiencing, experiencing things and learning how to fail and learning how to lose in a good way uh, to improve. I think these are all huge things when building resiliency. And so Colonel Kerry, I I appreciate you being on uh, today on pencil leadership. Uh, Before we go though, I would like to ask you, so the fifth trade of pencil leadership is that we're all created uniquely with a special purpose to leave a positive mark in the world. And so when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? Well, I would like to think that I've tried to make lives better for those in my community in particular, because special operations community is my family, that, the, that I made lives better for those that were, were hit pretty hard and mm-hmm. were trying to recover. So if I had a tombstone marker, it would be, you know, he tried his best to, to help his brothers and sisters in special ops. Awesome. Um, that would be, that's, that's my desire. And of course, why cool. I'm, uh, you know, took up this, uh, this, uh, position with the, the uh, Special Ops Warrior Golf Foundation as their chairman and, and was a co-founder of the organization uh, with two other great veterans um, to uh, to help further the interests of our special operators using the golf course as the as the venue. But really, that's just our office. And it's because it's a great meeting place for people. And it's a great sport to not only have some 
emotional and physical recovery because it's a great game that way. But um, but also it's a great meeting place for business leaders. And so our, our foundation is wrapped around assisting our special operators as they as they transition uh, from the military side into the civilian sector and looking for uh, careers and, and opportunities to to uh, to grow and expand and, and have uh, the rest of their life be as as productive and, and blessed as their military service was. And so. Uh, that that foundation, which people can get involved with by going to our website, www.sowgf.org, or uh, call me or email me. I'm at carrie, C-A-R-Y dot S-O-W-G-F uh, or at S-O-W-G-F dot org and uh, or call me at 813-325-1366. Uh, we'd love to have your support in helping our special operators as they make these career and life changes. Our, we've got amazingly capable, resilient, obviously, as that's been the topic uh, of, uh, of this program today. But um, but we've got uh, people with skills that, that exceed what what most uh, businesses are, are used to seeing. And um, and what we want to do is be able to showcase them so that you can uh, see what a special operator can bring to your organization and and potentially uh, and then utilize them and utilize that. That's those their skills and experience. And so uh, the Golf Foundation allows us to do that. And we run four retreats uh, a year. Um, uh, we're scheduled to go to Ireland in April. Uh, God willing, the COVID uh, doesn't prevent us. It's very questionable right now whether or not we'll be able to make it. But we're looking at some, some options for, uh, for the, to do something here in the States as a fallback plan uh, for that particular retreat. But we get eight incredible wounded warriors headed out on that, on that retreat uh, coming up. And we're always looking at all of our wounded warriors as they make that transition and uh, in, in trying to assist them. So awesome. that's been my uh, my focus, and, and hopefully that will be the the, the, uh, the imprint and uh, and the, the legacy of Kerry Harbaugh. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, and yeah, everybody check out uh, just his foundation, get connected with uh, Colonel Harbaugh, and yeah, just wonderful foundation uh, helping those wounded warriors. So again, Colonel Har- Harbaugh, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today. Thanks, Chris. Enjoyed it. Anytime. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope it brought you value. If it did, leave a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. This actually helps us get this in front of more people so we can leave a bigger mark. And then share this with someone, someone that it could bring value to so you can make a difference in their life as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.